you have a Bible with you, I want you to go ahead and open to John chapter 7 if you don't have one. We only have a couple Bibles, so you can go ahead and read up on the board. Uh, make sure you take notes as well. Um, this fall, we're actually going to be diving into a new series that's going to be going over the next uh, couple months. But ultimately, I want to ask you guys a question to start it. I want you to... Um, We'll get into that in a moment. Um, but I want you guys to think about a certain question. When it relates to church and when it relates to your faith, I want you to think about I'm, I'm literally going to give you a second to think about this. Why am I here? And I want you to think beyond because my parents you know, got me out of bed and got me dressed and brought me to this building. Why am I here? Why do my parents bring me to this church? Why do my parents consistently every single Sunday bring me into this small building on the west side of campus? See, and I want you to think not just beyond your own answers, but I want you to think about our, say our, our answer. Why, why would someone get up front, grab the Bible and teach out of it to you guys? Why would there even be such thing as a church that gathers together. Why is there even such thing as a Christianity that's happening? Why? Is a good question to ask in relation to faith. Greater answer awaits us than we could ever imagine as well when you ask those questions. And over the next couple of weeks, I want to share why we believe. And this is more than just, let's go through all the checklist of why we believe in what we believe in as Christians. Many of you are professing Christians in this room that say Jesus is both my Savior and my Lord. I don't just know God, I trust God. But there are also people in this room that maybe don't believe in that and have a lot of questions. And that this is a place for you too. And you are more than welcome to be in this place. In fact, we'd encourage you. Um, actually, funny, Heath, there's a kid trying to get inside. Can you go let him in? Thank you very much. Um, we don't leave any sheep behind here, amen? Um, but when it comes to faith, there's so many questions and there's so many different reasons and things that you can think through. How about this? How many of you ever had questions about creation? How many of you ever had cre questions about how the earth was made? Who made it and where is it going? How many of you ever had questions about death? How many of you ever had questions about what happens after death? How many of you have ever had questions about spirituality? Is there more going on than just the physical things that are in front of me? Some of the biggest questions that we get from people actually relates to suffering. Well, if God is real, then why is this happening? Or why did this happen to me personally? Or why is this happening in the world around us? There's different questions of the Bible itself and its legitimacy. There's questions about personal testimony as well. But ultimately... These are all things that the Lord encourages us and doesn't shy away from asking. If you look in John chapter 7, we're going to be looking at a scripture where Jesus is actually speaking to a group of people. He's teaching them. And this is what he says. I want you to look at me. Verse 14. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and he began to teach. How many of you would agree with me? That there's probably nothing more amazing than to sit under Jesus, the Son of God, teaching you. That must have been a pretty profound teaching. 
And yet here is Jesus, who is the very incarnational God, the embodiment of God taking on flesh, standing there and teaching the people. And what it would say is the Jews were amazed and they asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? You know what I love about the Bible? Is that even in the midst of Jesus' teaching, people have real questions. See, oftentimes when we think about faith, we think of it in an ignorant way that just because someone says it means that you have to automatically believe it and never have to question it. Yet Jesus isn't someone who just stands there and says, if I say it, then you have to believe it and you never have to question it. In fact, this is what Jesus says. He goes, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Now listen to this. This is the verse of verses to remember this morning. Listen to what Jesus says. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent me is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. I want to reread verse 17. Anyone, we anyone, amen? Amen? I'm anyone, you're anyone, they're anyone. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God, they will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. That's a powerful statement that Jesus says. He doesn't just say, you need to figure it out, or I encourage you. He says, anyone who chooses to do the will of God. Did you know that there's another verse in the Bible where Jesus is talking to the people in Matthew chapter 5, where he'd go as far as to say, not everyone who just says, oh, Lord, Lord, or Jesus, Jesus gets into the kingdom of heaven. He says, but those who do the will of my Father in heaven. That is a powerful statement to say of a follower of Jesus. And yet here, he uses the same language that anyone who would choose to do the will of the Father in heaven would be the kind of person who would dig into my teachings and try to figure out whether I am true or not. Jesus doesn't shy away from questions. Jesus doesn't shy away from digging in deeper and asking big questions like why. In fact, he encourages it and commands it of us. Belief is going to be a theme that we're going to talk about. You know, oftentimes we think that this is what salvation, this is what coming to Jesus looks like. That one day you hear the name of Jesus and someone, a light comes down from heaven and ah, I'm saved. And I never have any questions again about faith. I have it all figured out from the very moment that I have it. And we all lived happily ever after. Amen? But what about someone who hears of Jesus but has real questions about it? I'm not sure if I believe in this. What about someone who has to wrestle with it? What about someone who has to wrestle with it for years? Because it goes against everything that they were raised to believe, however they were raised. What about people who come to know Jesus... And then as they're walking with Jesus, have more questions as they continue to grow. See, this often happens with us when we grow up in church, especially if you're someone that's grown up in church. At some point, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Doesn't cut it. At some point to say, oh yeah, my faith's legitimate. I sung about it. One time in CM. Because at some point... 
in your faith, and this is true of just adolescence, this is true of you guys just growing up into adults, you begin to have real questions. Well, wait, I want to actually know where my sources are. I actually want to know where these things come from. Those are good questions to ask, and Jesus knows that you will ask those questions at some point, and you will ask them consistently. What is belief? Belief is actually a word that's interchangeable with the word faith in the Bible. So if you say faith or you say belief, have faith in Jesus is the exact same thing as saying have belief in Jesus. What that means, belief is faith, it's trust, and it's loyalty to a person or thing. That's the biblical definition for what belief looks like. I have a couple points I want to talk about in terms of belief. The first one is simply this. Belief and faith, it's not knowledge alone. In fact, in James 2.19, there's a letter that's written to a church, and he says, you guys are just saying that, oh, yeah, I know that there's one God. And he would go as far as say, you know that Satan believes the same thing, too. He knows that God exists. But that doesn't necessarily mean he has a healthy, thriving relationship with him. Amen? So to say that you just have the information correctly doesn't necessarily mean that you're living in relationship or your, your faith is in a place where it can thrive. You know, it's funny because how many of you guys absolutely love school? Yeah, I wasn't expecting many. So, but I want you to think about something for a minute. From the very time that you were little, you were trained to be in a classroom to memorize information, to understand concepts. And then when someone would ask you what it is, you would give the right answer. And there is nothing wrong with that. Education is incredible. But I want you to think about something because it's the pattern of thinking that can sometimes be taken and put into our own faith. You've grown up for five days a week for Lord knows how many hours studying, memorizing, giving answers, taking tests, taking quizzes, taking midterms. And then here comes faith. And oftentimes we apply the same thinking. I just got to know the information. I just got to memorize everything. And then when the test comes, I can give the right answers. But you see, faith is so much more than just knowing the right information. See, the thing about education, the thing about school, is that it's not just knowing information, but it's living it out. And there are things in education that aren't necessarily needing to be lived out. You don't need to live out your understanding of an isosceles triangle. All right? Unless that's your thing. Are you called to? I'm hands off that one. But what about matters of faith? What about trusting God? Oh, yeah, I know what trusting God is. Here's the information. Here's the answer. But what about trusting God when things aren't going well at school or with friends or with your parents? What about trusting God when you are put in a situation and you're like, God, why is this happening? What about when you're in a place of suffering and you're like, trust now doesn't just become an answer out of a textbook or a written answer. It becomes something you get to live out and grow in in your real life. Faith is something that's so beyond knowledge. In fact, it, it takes faith to believe in God. Hebrews eleven six would say, that without faith, it's impossible to believe in God or to be in relationship with God. Ephesians 2.8 would go as far as to say that you are saved by grace through, everybody say through, through faith. That 
It's this avenue of faith that makes place for all of God's goodness to come into your life. Without faith, there is no bridge built for you to receive any of those things, even though they're ready to come to you. See, all of us have faith in certain things in our own lives. There's a guy named Michael Guillen who wrote a book, Can a Smart Person Believe in God? And he would say that there are two types of people in this world, those who believe in God and those who believe in something else. Whether it's faith in God or whether it's faith in other things or faith in randomness or natural selection. That's why I think it's interesting when someone says they're an atheist. They're like, I don't have faith. I don't believe in God. But you're actually putting your faith in no God just as much as anyone would put faith in God. We all believe in certain things. We all rely on certain things in our lives from the very small things like the chair that you're sitting in. You didn't come up into service this morning and ask me for a written warranty on the chair that you're sitting in that it would hold you up. Amen? None of you did that because you looked at the chair, you made a decision that you're going to trust and you're going to sit in it and it's going to be fine. See? You all have a little more faith than you think. Amen? We all have faith in different avenues of our lives and it's the way that we relate to God. Interestingly enough, Faith is something that is essential to our growth and our relationship with God. But at the same time, knowledge, everybody say knowledge. See, faith and knowledge are like these two parts of our faith that work together. And when they work together, our faith flourishes. Knowledge can be very helpful with trust because it helps you better understand why you believe. Knowledge ultimately helps and was intended to help our belief and our faith grow. What I mean by that is that at some point, just trusting in something without necessarily seeing any information or seeing any um, truth behind it will lead you to a place where you have faith in God, but you have no idea why you understand or why it is. Ask Hayden. Ask anyone who serves in the high school ministry. Ask anyone who has served in a young adults ministry about how important it is to have a solid faith and to understand why you truly believe in what you believe in because it will be questioned. It will be brought to the surface. And at some point, saying, because my parents bring me to church, or I don't know, will only hold up so much against this world because there are very real reasons why our faith is real, whether you realize it or not. Did you know that you can come to church your whole life and claim to believe in something and not know why you believe in it? And yet, God's intention is that we would know and that we would believe in it. You know, the Bible talks about that as well. In the book of Acts, in chapter 17, there's a scripture that's actually talked about when Paul was planting a church um, of the Berean Jews. And he says, as soon as night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. That would be like kind of their sanctuary place of learning for the day. Now, listen to this. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness. Now, listen to this. And examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. See... How would you like to be called someone of noble character when it comes to your faith, biblically? And this is how you are someone of noble character. It says they received it with great eagerness. 
But they also just weren't ignorant. It says that they examined the scriptures. I want to know if this is true. And I want to get some real knowledge behind my faith to see what it is. And because of that, their faith was way stronger than it would have been had they just said, well, okay, I'll just believe in it. I don't know why, but I'll believe in it. And here's the weird dynamic of it, because faith is the thing that saves us, but knowledge can help your faith grow. Knowledge without faith will make you arrogant. It will make you think you're healthy in your faith. In fact, what the Bible says is knowledge puffs up. You're like puffed up and you're prideful and you're arrogant because, oh, I've heard these Bible stories. Oh, I know where that's at. Oh, I know what faith is. But you're not actually living it out. You're not actually trusting it. And there's no evidence of that necessarily in your life. But knowledge and knowing the truth of God and then trusting in it can bring you to a whole new place in your faith where you're not necessarily ignorant, but you're continuing to grow. That's why it's so funny. I can't tell you how many students throughout the years have come up to me and they go, Pastor Jeff, I'm struggling in my faith. And I'm like, tell me what's going on. I don't do that, nor do I. I'm not a ballerina. A ballerino, all right? And they go, I've started to have questions about my faith. Is this real? What about the Bible? I don't know where it comes from. And then I like to look at them and it's like, you're asking exactly what you should ask if you're growing in your faith. See, those are good questions because now that leads you to a place where you can dig in and you can actually figure it out. You can actually figure out what you believe in. You can actually wrestle with some stuff. And because of that, like the Bible would say, it's like your roots and your foundations go a whole lot deeper now for your faith. And you're way more stable in it because you've asked the questions, you've sought it out, you've seen the answers, and you've put your trust in it. See, doubt is a funny thing in the Bible. I think doubt is one of the most confusing things when it comes to understanding because there's good doubt and there's bad doubt. In the Bible, everybody thinks doubt is just one way or the other, and then they end up getting super confused. So let me clarify it for you. See, good doubt is this idea of wanting to know more. I want to learn. Teaching, pursuing are words that are associated with it. Maybe you're someone in this room and you have real questions about the Bible. You have real questions about your faith. You have real questions about life around you. Why is that happening? Why is that great of evil happening to people? Why are people dying around me? Why did this happen to my family? And it's causing you to want to know more. I want to learn. I want to know these answers. I want to dig down into them. I want to be taught and I want to pursue. I want to go out on my own and figure it out beyond just what my parents or my pastors or my leaders say. That is good doubt. Bad doubt is knowing exactly who God is and choosing not to trust him. If you want to put that up, Ms. Maury. Bad doubt would be knowing who God is and choosing not to trust him. So words like unbelief, choosing not to be open to learning, to rebel are certain things. See, Jesus would talk about bad doubt a lot in the New Testament because he'd be say, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Because they knew exactly who he was and yet they said, nah, I just don't want to trust you. Or, I just don't want to figure it out. See, the dangerous thing about faith 
isn't just having questions. It's saying, I have these questions and I refuse to be taught an answer different from what I think. That's when you get yourself into real danger. See, it's not having questions or wondering or wrestling about stuff that's the issue. But it's when you say, I'm not going to put in the time or the effort to figure it out. I'm not going to be willing to learn something I don't know. That really brings our faith into a really, really dangerous place. Doubting and unbelief are two different things. It's a make or break point. And we all find ourselves in these points in our faith where we have questions and we have to make decisions about how we're going about them. How nice would it be, amen, if we were in a place where every time we had a question, it could just magically be answered. See, God wants us to build our faith, so oftentimes he leaves it to us to seek him out. And when you seek the Lord, you will find. When you knock, he will open the door for you. But ultimately, in this relationship, as you seek knowledge, as you wrestle through doubts, as you pursue him, I think one of the main points that you can take away this morning, as we'll talk about through this series, knowing something and trusting something are two very different things. Amen? How many of you know someone very, very well, but you don't necessarily trust them? How many of you know someone, maybe you don't know much about him yet, but you really like them and you trust them a lot because you've seen their character? I want to show you guys a slide for a minute. I found this on the internet. Um, do you want to know something that's common about these three couples? They got married the moment they saw each other. Isn't that weird? There's a show that's called Married at First Sight. Uh, oh, mm, he's trouble. T-R-U-B-L-E. All right. Now, how many of you, can I just ask, I want everybody to close your eyes. I want you to imagine yourself, you're in a room, and there's a door, and on the other side of that door is your spouse, but you haven't met them yet. And the minute you open the door, stress, I need medication, all right? It's a little stressful of a situation to say, I just want to marry someone random that I have no idea who they are about. See, that's a, that's a good thing. That protects you from marrying someone that you shouldn't. But you know what also is a really dangerous thing as well that isn't put on an HGTV show? It's when, and Hayden and I could speak to this. I can't tell you how many young adults and adults have been in relationships. And they've been together for years, four, five, six years but they're scared to make the decision to marry one another. Oh, well, I have these. I'm not sure. And ultimately, the relationship just breaks down. Why? Because it's way too based on knowledge. You're not going to know everything before you make that decision to say, marry me. But at some point, there's going to be sufficient enough knowledge to say, I got to go forward. And when you don't make that, it actually breaks down the relationship as it goes. You know, it's the same thing with God. It's a good thing the minute that you meet God to go, I want to learn about you. I want to examine the word. I want to examine who you are because you learn. But knowledge itself doesn't bring you to a deeper faith. At some point, even while having questions, you have to take a step out and say, okay, I trust you. I have what I need sufficiently. 
You know, there are some people who don't understand that what they're seeking as sufficient knowledge from God really isn't that. They just want to know everything. And because you can't know everything in the world, they'll never make the decision to follow a God that they can't comprehend in the first place. What is your decision going to be? 